If you're struggling to sleep, know that you're not alone. Problem is, if you're not sleeping enough, it can affect your learning, problem solving, and decision making during the day. Calm is offering a limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Start the new year off right with Athletic Greens, the daily all-in-one superfood powder to support your immunity, gut health, and energy. With your first purchase, you'll receive a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Go today to athleticgreens.com slash AMR. Let your credit card work for you. GigaPoints is a site that uses data to help you find the best credit card. GigaPoint uses data to pinpoint the cards that will give you the most points based on your actual spending. See how much you could earn at gigapoints.com slash AMR. Happy holidays, everybody. This is a crossover episode where Jonathan Levitt, the host of For the Long Run, interviews me. We cover a wide range of topics, yet somehow we never got around to talking about the fact that we both absolutely adore Taylor Swift. I hope you enjoy the rest of the interview. Welcome back. I have Sarah Bowen Shea joining me today on the podcast. Sarah, thanks so much for uh, for taking some time to chat. I'm delighted to be here, Jonathan. For sure. And as many of our our listeners will hear your um, sound quality is excellent because you're also a podcaster. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. um, but before we dive in too far, uh, first question is, who is Sarah? Oh, who is Sarah? Sarah is me, um, a mom, a mom of three teenagers in Portland, Oregon. I am the co-founder of Another Mother Runner, which is a largely online community for women runners and before that, I was a freelance magazine journalist, and I'm a native of Connecticut. I guess my mother would want me to tell you. So uh, <laughs> she, nice. she doesn't like it Weird. when I say I'm from Portland, Oregon, because that implies I grew up here. She's not. She's right. totally fine if I grew up here, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Where in Connecticut? Stamford. Oh, my sister lives there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, small world. Yes. Um. Well, awesome. So let's let's sort of set the stage here with with you as a runner, and then we'll dive into all the other amazing stuff. Okay. Um, do you remember your first run? It must have been in high school. I was dating a guy who was a runner, very avid runner, and so it must have been that. Um, but the one that really the the first run that really stands out in my mind, and that for me really is the starting point for me being a runner was I went to Colgate University, which is in central New York. And I joined the rowing team after not being athletic in school before that. And I, the recruits had the novices were supposed to run to the boathouse, which is three miles away from campus. And it's slightly uphill the whole way. And, and I, snowing, right? <laughs> right, with wind fiercely blowing in your face. No, that was, you know, a month later in October. But um, <laughs> and so I very much remember that run out there. And even then feeling like super badass because a lot of women didn't, who were my cohorts, didn't come back after the second or third time. And I stuck with it and just loved, loved the rowing. I grew to love running. Just it was... It was an opening of a new world for me. What was it that you loved so much? That feeling of competence 
and particularly um, with rowing and then, you know, whether we ran to or from the boathouse, getting a ton of stuff done before pretty much anybody else was awake. I um, have always been a morning person. And so I took uh, most uh, most days I had an 8 a.m. class and a 9 a.m. class. And I was so bummed I couldn't have a 1020. That, and then I, so I took one a little later. But I remember my 8 a.m. class, my 8 a.m. professor telling me at the end of the semester, he was like, thank you so much for talking. Everyone else seemed to sleep in class. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I've been awake. I got stuff done already. Let me, let me tell you, you more. You were, you were having lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me tell you more about Marlowe and uh, Shakespeare and all that stuff. So. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's funny that the type of person that um, considers himself a morning person uh, is annoying. I think, oh. <laughs> I, annoying is one word, but I think um, so. I've been I've been a part of a community here in Boston called November Project, and uh-huh, it was sure. founded by rowers, yeah, who want to keep each other account want to keep each other accountable at six a.m. Yeah. Um, and th- but what they said was nobody is a morning person. Some people are just better at, at dealing with the mornings <laughs> and coffee help. Oh, I, I just, because uh, I'm particularly not a night person and yeah. um, I just really, I feel my batteries completely run down by the time the dinner dishes get put away into the dishwasher, hopefully by someone else. And, and so, you know, when we have people on the show who are like, oh, I hop on my treadmill at 10 p.m. after everybody's gone to sleep. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That I couldn't be doing that. So, yeah, no, I, I love the mornings. I love, you know, like this morning I saw the sunrise and, you know, the clouds being all orange and purpley. And it was quite lovely. That's awesome. So in between that run this morning and those first couple of miles in um at Colgate. At Colgate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what did that path look like for you? So, um, became, you know, so definitely discovered my inner runner while I was at Colgate. And then when I graduated, I moved to San Francisco, you know, got a job that paid absolutely nothing. And so didn't have the money to join a gym. And, you know, San Francisco is a beautiful city where you want to be outside every minute of every day, or at least I do. So ran a lot there. I lived in a very hilly part of San Francisco called Petrero Hill, which I'll give you one guess if there's hills or not there. And so I would just get up before work and run back and forth, back and forth across those super hilly streets. And from there, did a few races. I was married to my first husband. He and I ran together when we lived there. We um, moved to Boston and then Wellesley, ran out there. I loved running around Wellesley and Weston and um, Lincoln and all those places. And then moved back to San Francisco, more running, took rowing back up again. And then, um, actually ran my, well, I guess I didn't run my first marathon until 1998. And then I've run the majority of them since I had kids and my oldest daughter's 18. So she was born in January of uh, 2002. And so I think I ran two marathons before that. And I've run 12 since then. Um, so that is a pretty succinct story of, oh, cool. oh my a, gosh. Lot of <laughs> a lot of miles in a very little amount of time. That's so funny because as I was talking, I thought, Oh, I need to shorten this up. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about being outside in San Francisco. They think it's going to be a really long answer. So I need to cut it, cut it, cut it. <laughs> so it's, it's always funny. So, um, people always feel bad about long rambly answers on, on podcasts uh-huh. and like, 
if if you didn't do that, it would be boring. Like the point of <laughs> the point of being a guest on a podcast is to be long winded and ramble and talk about yourself. <laughs> no, let's see. I see. Oh, I can do that. I can definitely do that. But I see it more as a conversation. So I didn't want to cut you off and or people who you know who, who love Jonathan be thinking like, yeah, yeah, Sarah, stop talking. I want to hear more from Jonathan. So. <laughs> Well, my guests have my guests have heard me tell the same story about the Providence Marathon about forty seven times, so they're they're happy to hear <laughs> somebody new. Oh my gosh, that's so funny! Can I tell one story that that that, that comment prompts for me? Is my business partner Dimity McDowell and I we um, put together we've put together a couple of Ragnar teams in the before times, and so that we would um, you know have our five runners plus ourselves and one you know Dim and her posse's in one van and I'm in the other. And so after the Ragnar race was over and we're headed back to the hotel, I'm like, Hey, Dim, I'll hop in your van. You hop in mine. So we can get to know these five people on our team who we didn't get to know. So we did that. And it was kind of a long drive. This was the Napa Valley Ragnar. And we were staying maybe an hour away. And I forget. And, um, and you had no, to stop at the vineyard in between. Right? <laughs> so it was like nighttime. Hour, there hour. was, there was, a, yeah. Right. So so I start telling a story and I hear two of the women kind of whispering and I'm like, Oh, what is it? You know, thinking they've said something interesting. And one of them named Aaron goes, Oh, I was just telling her sh- that you'd already said that story on the, on the podcast. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And I'm like, note to self, tell new anecdotes. And so then I'm telling something else and I hear pss, 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 again. And I'm like, Oh no, another repeat story. And they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> It's amazing. It's it's such a fine line because like some of this stuff is like fundamentally what has allowed me to learn these big lessons. Like the story that I reference over and over again is um, the Providence Marathon, where I celebrated two years of fitness and executed like the most perfect race I've ever run before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've like I've talked about that race in some way, probably like two dozen times on this podcast. So fortunately you will be sharing this and, and hello, oh, a new audience. <laughs> it's like, it's like my husband, my husband, I swear he married me. This is my second husband, Jack. I swear he married me because I laugh at his jokes, no matter how many times he's told them. And we've been on like road trips with people and the other people are like, that's really not funny. Why is Sarah laughing at that? And then, of course, that makes me laugh more. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so terrible because I've laughed at it before. <laughs> That's great. I do the same thing. So perfect. We're going to get along just fine. So back to back to podcasting and running uh, for, for a second until we until we find our way away from it. Um, so what, do you remember why you did your first marathon? Yes, Switching I do. I did the first marathon I did was the San Francisco marathon and 1998. And I had started dating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had, so husband number one had left me suddenly in 1995, 95, 96, 95, one of those years. And, um, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. And then started dating Jack now, now husband number two or my current husband, I'm supposed to say, because saying number two implies I'm going to have a number three. <laughs> One can always hope. I was um, going to say something. There. <laughs> I did have a very nice dream about a, 
an actor from humans last night. Um, so, um, so, okay. So we, and I lived in San Francisco at the time, Jack lived in Chicago and I was a freelance writer. And so I had a very flexible schedule and gosh, I just missed him so much. So I went and temporarily lived in Chicago with him, um, in March of 98. And so, and I loved San Francisco. I still love San Francisco. And, um, I'm sorry, but at the time I did not love Chicago. Now that I'm not living in a North facing apartment, um, where my boyfriend's ex-girlfriend also lived in the apartment building. I very much love Chicago, but at the time, not so much. And so, um, so I decided before I left that I would need to have a reason to go back to San Francisco and I needed to have something to keep myself occupied other than just focusing on this new guy. So I figured if I did the San Francisco marathon, I would quote unquote have to fly back for it. And I'd, I would have all those training miles to put in. Plus it, it had, but that wasn't the only reason it had definitely, the idea had been pinging around in my head ever since I watched the San Francisco marathon was at the finish line was so amazed by the variety of people who came across the finish line and my, this, when I was watching it, I was still married to husband number one and he and I had watched coverage of it on TV. I can't believe they showed the San Francisco marathon on the local TV, but we barely do that today. Right. I know. Oh, and please, I mean the Portland marathon, you don't even know what, know it was going on here. And well, so, the Boston Marathon is mostly just commercials <laughs> and rain. <laughs> and so, so he and I watched it and saw the um, woman who was in the lead. And we were so excited. We go down to Golden Gate Park, which um, at the time was where the race finished with one lap around this track. And we're standing up against the fence. There's no one there to spectate. And here comes the woman that we'd seen on TV. And we were like, hey, great job. You look so good. And she turns to us and goes, thank you. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, the finish line is right there. Don't waste your breath talking to us. And I thought she was so kind and so wonderful and so inspiring. I have no idea who she was. I guess I could figure out what year it is and look it up. And so that just got the bug in me. And I had had a friend. I guess the reason we went to the finish line was to see our friend Julie Atherton finish. So um, we, we had a dog in the fight, so to speak. Yeah. So something you said there is the exact reason that I decided to run a marathon oh. the first time as well. I was um, in your, at one time, neck of the woods, Wellesley, watching uh-huh. the Boston Marathon uh-huh. in 2013. And I was standing basically at mile 12 or 13. Uh-huh. And I, I said the exact same thing. I was like, look at all these people that are different shapes and sizes. Uh-huh freaking running a marathon that's cool like they're all running for many hours at the time at a time and my longest run at the time was like seven miles uh-huh. and i had done that like three times and i thought that was incredible like took me an hour and you know this and that um and i was like this is so cool look at all these people doing this and i was 23 at the time so i felt obviously like very invincible as a 23 year old does yes. and i was like if they can do it i can do it I'm pretty athletic. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so humbled. Um, um, I also vividly remember uh, seeing a man who had blood on his shirt coming toward the finish line because he had bloody nipples. And I thought that was the nastiest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, whoa, dude, like not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird the things that like are totally acceptable in, in this weird sport that we do. Um, but yeah, I was, it was the same thing. It was like, look at all these people mm-hmm. that are they're doing it. And my favorite thing to shout at um, marathoners mm-hmm. is you're doing it. Like <laughs> you are doing it. And I like doing this last, uh, I did this in 2018 and 2019 at the Boston marathon mm-hmm. um, at like mile 24 three uh-huh. and this was like 3 p.m so these are the people that are running five hour marathons i think that math works out uh-huh. so they, they had been running for like four and a half hours at that point yeah. and i'm just screaming you're doing it and the smiles that it brought to these people who many of them are like first time marathoners and like because i know this because it says it on their shirt um it's so cool yeah. So I don't know. Where, I don't know where I was going with that. And but, it's also uh, funny because if you told a non-runner that you said that, they're like, "And why were you stating the obvious like that? Like that's idiotic, Jonathan." What up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Say something better. So okay, so your first marathon was for an excuse to go to another city. I back to back to where I lived. Yeah. So because <laughs> I kept my I own my apartment in San Francisco, so I went back there. Yeah. So it was a, a right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, there there were other ones that weren't quite as hilly, but apparently you didn't know that. Um, the Golden Gate Bridge must have been incredible to to run over. So, uh, I mean, it, that that just never gets old. I mean, and um, it was so beautiful. I vividly, vividly remember it. Um, and I also remember that I peed over there. There were didn't seem to be any porta potties. So that's where I formed my, one of my, um, maxims in life, which is people are more embarrassed to see your butt than you are to, to have them see your butt. <laughs> also, I think, I think coming from, um, Marin, that makes you a, an honorary trail runner too. <laughs> Good. Um, so yeah, so because I saw men just, you know, whipping it out and peeing and I'm like, well, okay, I'm just going to cop a squat right here. Um, if they're not going to provide porta bodies for us. Yeah, it's it's fascinating what's what's allowed, like with all the police around. Um yeah. the, one of the times I ran the Boston Marathon, it was the same exact thing. But like you're coming from a, a little village of dirt and porta bodies, mm-hmm. and in the first, oh. first eight hundred meters, they're just dudes peeing on trees everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, as you say that I can totally picture that the first time I saw guys doing that, I'm like, wait. What, what are you doing? And you know, the same thing happens at Big Sur that, um, because What's again, the views there. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it just goes straight into the ocean. It's salt water anyway. Um, <laughs> neutralizing, yeah. so, so we've, we've covered the first marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't know how difficult it was, but you, you wanted to get back to San Francisco there. So mm-hmm. check that box. Mm-hmm. Um, you crossed the finish line. Ouch. That was hard. I imagine oh, was killer part of what you said. So why did you do it again? Well, i I vividly remember laying on my couch in my office on the afternoon, having completed the marathon and called a good friend of mine, Bevan, who lives in Denver. And, um, she had run a marathon maybe three weeks beforehand. And we had talked afterward 
And she was like, oh, it was fun. It was fun. It was da 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 And I call her up. I'm like, why didn't you tell me it was going to be so hard? She's like, because you were going to do it. And I didn't want to dissuade you. You know, like I didn't want to discourage you. So I was like, you lie. You lie. <laughs> um, fast forward, it was pretty crazy. Bevan and I both ended up then um, ended up having our respective first children within three weeks of each other. So we kind of, I like to follow in Bevan's footsteps. Um so, well, I just, of course, like, like many marathoners swore I was one and done, never going to do that again. And then just started thinking about the New York city marathon. I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, it's back sort of in my home turf and, um, Dimity. Now my business partner, she had run it a couple of years ago. And, um, so I ended up doing that the following year. So I ran, um, July 98 ran San Francisco and then ran New York in November 99. And, um, um, I know it's heresy to say, but that was probably one of my least favorite marathons. I was, I was not impressed with the New York city marathon. Um, so not many listeners from New York. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I, as I say, grew up outside of New York city. I have never felt a love for New York city. So, you know, I don't know, troll me on um, Twitter or whatever, <laughs> but um, okay. uh, this, this Red Sox fan is quite pleased with, uh, with how you're saying this. So, um, although gosh, I felt so much better at the end of the New York city marathon. And I'm convinced it's because I had to walk so dang far to get to the subway because I rode the train in from Stanford. And so took the train back to grand central and went back out to Connecticut. So that's Mike Wardian's secret to mm. success. Mm. He said, he says, um, after, I mean, he ran a hundred mile race and then did a mile on the track the next morning. So wow, it's quite logical. No, it, it, his, his, um, his recommendation is just don't stop moving. Yeah. And some of that is um, metaphorical and some of it's literal. Like you finish a race, you should walk around a little bit. You should keep it rolling, keep it moving. Yep. Uh, and, Honestly, I found that that the work from home um, year we're having this year mm -hmm. is making making um, uh, workout days and long run days more challenging because I don't go anywhere right. and I like, I don't go out to lunch and I don't go walk and so like I have to intentionally decide to keep moving because. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, my legs turn stiff. You're, from your desk to the refrigerator isn't quite far enough to get the legs I can, moving. I'm, I'm sitting here at my desk and I can see the refrigerator. So, <laughs> um, no, it's it's not far enough. But, yes, I, I do quite a lot of those repeats. <laughs> yeah, I remember after San Francisco, I – so I finished running San Francisco. A friend joined me. You know, this was back in the day when it was easier to hop in and join somebody in a race. And she probably met me, I don't know, around mile 20 or something like that. And we sat down on the grass afterward. And boy, it was really rough getting up from sitting down. <laughs> it was tough to get down on the ground to start with, but then getting back yeah. up was even harder, perhaps. Yeah. My first marathon was out in Western Mass, and my grandparents and uh, my dad, I think my mom was there too, um, they were at the finish line. Yeah, they were all there. And there's a photo of me sitting on the ground afterwards, and I'm just like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> and and this, this marathon had a particularly gnarly finish where you hit mile 26, then you turn right, and then you go uphill for oh. the rest of it. Like, uh, like 
10% grade. <laughs> and, and there's a photo of me throw and, and it was like such a small race. There were 220 people in it and it felt like it was a, uh, like a supported long run. And so obviously they didn't have like a, a finishing shoot or anything like that. They just had like a clock mm-hmm. with a tarp with a, with a timing mat at the end. So I see this, um, this is my first marathon and I see this, um, it's my second race. So I wasn't really like aware of how these things work. So I see this like black line and I'm so delirious that I'm like, cool, I'm done. So I throw my hands up and there's this photo of, of the race director standing at the finish line, pointing at the finish line, like, bro, you're not there yet. <laughs> so I, I had stopped moving and there, and, and he's like, no, 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 you got like 10 more feet to go. And then what I, the reason I'm telling this story is, um, that same exact experience of like, okay, I can't go anywhere. And then an hour later I stood up and, um, I remember walking around Holyoke and we were going to get a burrito and I was stunned how I couldn't go. I couldn't step up curbs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I was using the, like the handicapped pedestrian ramp, um, so that I could, so that I could move my hips enough. And my grandpa who was, I don't know, 80 something at the time was like, Jonathan, like, let's go, let's hurry up. We got, we got places to be. Um, so fantastic memory of total immobilization post-race. <laughs> Love it. Being shamed <laughs> by your grandpa. Exactly. Um, so fast forward a few years, you've run a few more marathons and another mother runner exists. Yeah. Where did, where did that come from? So that was born out of a marathon um, in, let's see, in 2007. Well, so Dimity, again, my business partner, um, she and I, Dimity also went to Colgate and was a rower there, but we are six years apart, so we did not overlap. But I met her at a Colgate crew um, like reunion event. And so we became friends. She was also a freelance magazine writer, we would, um, back in the day, the highfalutin days when brands would take you on a press trip. And so we got to, you know, go to Moab and Jackson Hole and Orlando, um, or I guess you Ooh, know, Dis- Disney World. <laughs> you know, you always say those three places in the same breath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Newark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and to top it off, we got our room got, but we were roommates when we went to Walt Disney World for a press trip, and our room got broken into, and. Um, Dimity at the time, this is a side note, Dimity at the time was an editor at Self Magazine. And it was like, I don't know, the 23rd of the month or something. And she had like $72 stolen out of her wallet. And I remember she said, but that was my money for the rest of the month. And I was like, go, oh, oh, shoot, (laughs) I need to give you some money. So um, anyway, so we got to know each other by doing these press trips. And so then when Dimity was pregnant with her second kid, she wanted to prevent going into a postpartum depression as best she could prevent that um, by training for a marathon after she gave birth. And so she thought, well, who can I call that will definitely say yes? And she's like, I'll call my crazy friend, Sarah, because you know, she'll definitely take me up on it. And so we trained, she lives in Denver. I live in Portland, Oregon. We trained quote unquote together for the Nike women's marathon in 2007 
and we got an assignment to write a feature about it for Runner's World magazine. And yes, this is an answer to your question, how we started the brand. And we blogged about it on runnersworld.com. We were the marathon moms. And so we just found a really great reception to our blog posts about juggling. At the time, I had three very small kids. Dim had the two kids. And just, you know, being busy, active moms and kind of getting it all done in a day. So we blog about that type of stuff. And so Dimity decided, hey, let's write a book that talks to this same audience that we've been talking to on the website and that our um, articles spoke to. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we wrote a book called Run Like a Mother, which came out in 2010. And our publisher said, okay, you guys have to promote this. You have to have a Facebook page and, you know, a Twitter account. There was no Instagram at the time, which is hard to believe. And so... How did people know what you had had for lunch? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we um, just started promoting. And also our publisher gave us a pr- pretty nice um, travel, um, you know, account um, to go promote the book. And so... For folks who don't know us, I'm 5'11", Dimity's almost 6'4", and so these two Amazonians would go to race expos and be standing there with our bright yellow books at a table, and she immediately was like, no one's going to come up to, you know, talk to us. We're just like so intimidating. We need to get some, you know, something cute on the table, and so we made two t-shirts, and so there we were selling our books and our two t-shirts and going to all these race expos. And so it just really grew organically. We, like I said, we were both freelance writers. We were not looking to start a business, start a brand, get out of freelancing, nothing. It was just something we did as a side hustle. And pretty soon the side hustle became more of our time, work time than, than the writing. And so we gave that up. And um, a decade later, here we are um, with two more books. We have a trio of books. We're just like, you know, originally the hunger games or, um, and, um, we launched our podcast in 2011. So we're kind of ahead of the curve on that one. We're coming up on, um, I think episode 447 comes out tomorrow as I'm talking to you. Um, and yeah, and just like it grew like a tree with many branches and we just keep adding branches and, um, just growing our brand and loving it. Like I'm, I'm so pleased we did it. I love that story. I think the the organic growth of anything is um, in this, in, in this manner is, uh, is fantastic. It's like you didn't have a plan, but it, and I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying oh, it's like, we did not have a plan. That is a statement of fact, John. Right. So it wasn't that like, we have a business plan. We had, this is the goals. These are the KPIs. It was like, we have this thing that we think is cool. Let's see if other people think it's cool. And I think that some of the best products and brands and communities are built on that where it's not intentional, but um, it works. Well, 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 thank you. And, and I agree with you. And, and two things to spin off from that is one, I remember in the early days of, AMR as we like to abbreviate it. I talked to two men who I know who super successful and super successful in the workforce. And, you know, one of them launched a, a business and sold it to the top competitor and, and, you know, retired early. The other one, early investor in Twitter, like super high achieving guys. And they both were like, wait, if you're not doing this to make money, grow your brand and sell it, why are you doing this? And we're like, 
we do, we should do what? Like, no, that's not what we're about. And that, you know, the, just, we, I remember Dimity very early on, she always said, it's not about us. It's about the people we're talking to. And so whether that was a Facebook post or eventually Instagram or our book or what our podcast topics are or whatever, it's, it's always about the community. And I mean, we use the word community just cause that's what another mother runner is not knowing that that's like a buzzword in the marketing world. And just all these things that are now deemed best practices, we just started doing cause they seem like smart things to do. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I joke that if I could go back in time, I'd be, I'd have a useful major. I mean, I was an English major with a Russian minor. Like I don't know anything about business or marketing, but, um, it's fun and I like hustling. So. Yeah. It's a school of hard knocks. Um, what does, what does community mean to you? I know you're a part of this community, but what, what does the word or phrase community mean for you? For me, it means support and, uh, hand on the back from people that are not in your immediate circle. And so that, um, I think I feel the support of when I've done races or even when I'm just out on a regular run, I feel the support of people that I've never met in real life. I can feel them urging me on. And I hope that the women who know and enjoy another mother runner feel the same way. And that because, so we like to say, you know, mothering oddly enough, can be a very isolating experience. And running is oftentimes a solo endeavor. And so to allow people to feel connected and part of something bigger than themselves is very um, life affirming and also um, just kind of inspiring and motivating. So um, yeah, we like to, to provide that for people. Very cool. And how did it evolve from the two of you into where you're at today with a fairly yeah. sizable platform? A lot of hustle, um, a lot of traveling, like you and I were talking before we started recording. Um, we traveled to promote the book, the first book, which came out in 2010. We followed up with, well, and then 2011, our podcast. Then 2012, our second book, Train Like a Mother, came out. Um, we promoted that like um, gosh, for run like a mother, we went to bookstores and sometimes it was like five people at a bookstore and, or I showed up in Bellingham, Washington for a group run and it was a group of one. It was me by myself. Um, and, um, uh, and then train like a mother came out. We started having house parties at, at women's homes, like just, you know, Oh, Hey, you live in New Canaan, Connecticut, and you'll host a party for us. Awesome. Um, and then, when, um, then we switched those to being parties at running stores so we could have more people there. And then, you know, our Facebook page just grew organically. Um, Twitter, Instagram, the podcast seems to really be a major door as for people to enter the Another Mother Runner community. And so it was doing well and it just kept growing. And then we started doing, um, online training, um, the train like a mother club. Oh gosh. I mean, just, we just kept, like I said, we just kept adding branches and it just seemed to be filling needs that people had and what they wanted. Um, we went from those two t-shirts that I told you about earlier so that people would come over and talk to us tall gals that expanded into the mother runner store that has, we saw say it has, um, 
expresses the attitude and sentiment in our books. And so kind of cute, sassy tops and hats and now even pants and accessories. And so just kept on putting stuff out there in the world and people found it. And I mean, I guess if there were people who, you know, I guess we could have grown more if we had maybe, I don't know, followed the advice of those two successful dudes I talked to, but, um, we're, we're, we are pretty happy with where we are. And, um, we just, for a long time, it was just Dimity and me and we've added to our team and it continues to grow. And, so that we have support and we can do pretty much activate pretty much everything we want to activate. 2020 has been, well, a lot, and we could all benefit from less stress and more sleep, much more sleep in our lives. As we so often say around the halls of AMR, it is so important to take care of ourselves and invest in our well-being during times of anxiety, which is one of the many reasons we're excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. Calm has an entire library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and more than 100 sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Kate Winslet, Lucy Liu, and Idris Elba. Be still my beating heart. Get this, more than 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. You should too. My soft spot is for soundscapes. Listening to soft pelting of rain on the roof or birds twittering above a rushing stream transports my mind from the concerns of the day, letting me leave behind the work tasks undone, the arguments I had with my kids, and drift off to sleep more easily. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited-time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com AMR. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash AMR. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash AMR. Calm.com slash AMR. Ah, winter, the time of weak sunshine, fewer fresh fruits and vegetables, and the inclination to just pull the covers back over your head. It's a tough time to thrive. That's where Athletic Greens can help. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit you can add to your health routine and empower you to take ownership of your health and toss those covers aside. Since I started taking a daily scoop of Athletic Greens, I'm taking fewer naps. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains, big breath here, 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more, all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. I mix a scoop into a bottle of water with a few ice cubes, shake it up, and swig it before my morning workout. I love it before my hour-long runs because it gives me a little bit more in my stomach than water, and I enjoy the subtle hint of cocoa flavor. Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They are offering a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Simply visit athleticgreens.com AMR to make a daily commitment to your health. Again, visit athleticgreens.com AMR and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today when you make your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash AMR. Let 2021 be the year you get the right credit card. 
the one that has you earning hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rewards every year. GigaPoints is a site that uses data to match you with the best cards for the way you actually spend, so you can score cash back, free travel, and more. GigaPoints is quick, easy to use, and serious about protecting your data. No answering a bunch of questions or doing a lot of research. I mean, who has time for that? Simply create an account and receive your recommendations in a few minutes. And your information is secure. GigaPoints never sees any of your login details or credit card numbers. It uses Plaid to intake information, the same tool used by Venmo, American Express, and get this, the CIA. Your banking information is encrypted and secure during the entire process. I'll be honest, I never knew sites like GigaPoints existed. Okay, yes, maybe I live under a rock. Here's the bit that sold me on GigaPoints. It maximizes your personal reward potential. Other credit card sites have a one-size-fits-all approach. GigaPoints only wants to find the best deals for you personally. If you want free flights, they can find the best card for you. Dig in some cash back, they'll show you those options instead. I use GigaPoints to see how much more moolah and cashback rewards my family could be enjoying. Good thing I was sitting down when I did it. By using a different card, we could have earned points worth more than $2,000 this year. Ooh, well, better late than never. To see how much you could be earning on credit card each year, go to gigapoints.com slash AMR. That's G-I-G-A points.com slash AMR. Gigapoints.com slash AMR. How has 2020 impacted what you do? So we like to think of 2020 as the year that we got lemons and made lemonade because we, so we had these grand plans for 2020. It was our 10 year anniversary. So, um, we started planning in 2019, these whole, you know, these grand ideas that, um, because our anniversary is kind of late February, early March. So we had, Oh, let's do this virtual run to celebrate. And then, you know, we're going to do these things on Instagram and this thing on Facebook and blah, 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 on our website. And, so, oh, and we were going to, we were invited to record an episode of the podcast at the New York Roadrunners, that center they have, I'm spacing on the actual official name of it. So we were going to go to New York in mid-March and do that. And that was going to be super fun and a, a nice way to reach new people. And so all that, wah, wah, you know, got shut down and, or the, the trip did. And so we had had success though, with that one virtual run to race to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. So we're like, Hey, we should do a virtual race series and have training that goes along with it. Because as I said, in our train, like a mother club, um, well, I didn't say what it was, but we have training plans, supported training plans that go everything from a 5k up to an ultra and an Ironman and, uh, nutrition and mental toughness and all this stuff. And so we put together a plan. It's, it was called, it's called love the run you're with and it kicked off in, let me think about this, April and went to July and had one race a month. And we anticipate, we had to tell, we were getting the medals shipped from China. And so we had to tell them, you know, well in advance how many we wanted. And, and I was like, and I'm the person who orders them. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 250. And we sold out 250 in, I don't know, 36 hours. So I, you know, contact our supplier, um, make that 400, um, make that 500. Um, how, how soon do you need to know? And finally, I'm like, just cap it at a thousand, just cap it at a thousand. So we sold out at a thousand. Again, our anticipated number was 250. So that was pretty awesome. So then that wrapped in July, we kicked off another one in August and that just wrapped last month in November 
And then we are starting another one. Another one kicks off. The program starts on February 1st. And so the Love the Run You're With series has been super successful for us. And more importantly than that, it really seems to provide something that women need during this pandemic, which is support and encouragement and just a sense that life will go on and things will keep happening and we can still find bright spots in the day and months. Yeah, I think the um, that's awesome. The the adjustments that were necessary for 2020 were um, massive all around, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's been interesting to see how brands and, and communities and things have shifted. Um, and as you said, making lemonade out of lemons or mm-hmm. um, ice cream out of lemons or, you know, <laughs> taking it one step further. Um, whereas, Many people are, um, yeah, I mean, using this time as a way to innovate and do new things and try new things and try things in ways they've never done before. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that is awesome to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, thank you. And it, and it seems that also, I don't know, it seems like brands are looking for brands like AMR to partner with. And that's a big part also of, um, AMR success is partnering with brands and, that they seem to be like, wow, look at them. They're, they're having authentic conversations with people and connecting with people on a meaningful level. And let's try to tag team onto that. And so that we've just had, I mean, we're now partners with Nordic track and Corso and a couple other brands. And it's just really exciting to have, um, faith put in us for what we're doing and what we're enjoying doing and what seems to be, um, again, filling a, uh, a niche in women's lives that makes, um, that improves their lives. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. And so from where I sit on the, on the brand side, uh, with what I do outside of the podcast, I've always said that, that, um, so I, I've seen, you know, what's happened with some of the mother runners that are professional athletes, and I've never understood why major apparel brands have been so decisive in the in in a negative way when a woman becomes pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, this is the most relatable this person is ever going to be. They're literally <laughs> living the human experience by creating a human, and so. <laughs> it's cool that you have a brand that like that is the, that is the audience and the, the brands that you work with, I'm seeing noon and goo and all these, mm-hmm. um, these awesome brands on, on your site and like they get it and they get that, that these are the people that are the women that need to be, um, they need to be speaking to. And, and it's cool that you have this, this community where it is authentic and it is, um, organic and they've invested into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, noon and goo have both been with us. We had a, um, for our one year anniversary of the launch of run like a mother, we had what we called our relam anniversary. So R L A M stands for run like a mother. And so I had a party here in Portland. Dimity had one in Denver 
And that was probably the first time I put on my marketing hat. I'm like, hey, let's get sponsors for the party. And Dim was like, what are you talking about? Nobody's going to want to sponsor that. I'm like, yeah, 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 they will. And so, I mean, the. Well, Drew just loves a good time. So they'll, they'll sponsor <laughs> anything that sounds fun. <laughs> you just got to have Celia involved. <laughs> I love Celia. Oh my gosh. Love her to death. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we always have a party down at, at Goo headquarters, and we were supposed to have one in late March, and that got canceled. So hopefully we'll, you know, I don't, I doubt we'd have one in March of 2021, but Hey, there's always 2022. Um, and so, yeah. So, and our, at the time our podcast producer knew the founder of noon. So he hooked us up with them. And so, and I had known I'd written about noon a million years before for the New York times. So gave them some love. And so, yeah, noon and goo came on board, you know, anniversary of year one and have been with us ever since. And it's, you know, I mean, women and particularly moms are the decision makers. They are the people who purchase stuff. You know, I don't need to tell you that. And very much, particularly because we have a lot of. To tell the audience this, the, there's a, I forget the name of the book, um, but I read it in college and it, it said that, you know, women influence 75% of buying decisions. So that, that alone is, is, Mm um, all the evidence you need. Exactly. Exactly. And also that we, while we, another mother runner, first of all, you don't have to be a mom to be, you know, in the community and there's, there's no entry fee to, to be quote unquote, a part of another mother runner. Um, Just one baby. Yeah. No, 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 no. You can, no, you none. And you know, you can have fur baby or you can just have not, we have actually a lot of, I meet a lot of young women kind of in their early to mid twenties who listen to our podcast in particular or women who are new moms who say, Oh, I was listening to you guys for years before I ever became a mom. And so, which just tickles me to death. And so, but that, um, we do have a wide range of runners. You know, we have everybody from just lacing up their shoes for the first time to multi-time Boston runners and everything in between, but that we do have a lot of new or resuming runners and they are just looking for suggestions you know, women love taking suggestions from their friends, from trusted, you know, people in their lives. And whereas I, we always think that, you know, there's a lot of runner dudes out there and, you know, maybe they've been doing it for 10, 20 years and they're like, no, 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 I know what shoes I like. I I wear these specific brand of shorts. I'm not going to switch. And these women are like, oh yeah, I used to run in college, but that was 15 years ago. So tell me what's the best kind of capris I should wear or something like that. And it's like, oh, oh, using logic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, um, and we only, you know, we, we get approached by a lot of brands and we don't say yes to everybody, you know, so we very are again, going back to the word authentic that when we say we like something, it's because we really like something. And Dimity's always like, we're not going to put something out there into this world unless we know it's going to make our runs and lives better or easier or more enjoyable. Definitely. I think that, um, I wish more people would follow that. Um, shifting gears a little bit, mm-hmm. let's talk about failure. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of a time when something didn't go, uh, as you had hoped and what was the, what was the takeaway? Mm. Huh. Huh. Play some music so that I can think for a second. <laughs> Please enjoy this music while your party is, while your story is being reached. Yeah. Um, well, I do think about um, a time that I let Dimity down, and that that 
made for a very um, disappointing personal experience. And, um, you know, that I still can kind of taste that feeling that I let her down, um, which was we were invited for the launch of Train Like a Mother. We were invited to Kansas City to um, speak at a for, um, for a group. And I was supposed to put together the presentation and I just kept dragging my feet, kept dragging my feet. And so Dimity had to swoop in at the last minute and do it. Um, so that was not good on my part. So really making sure that I carry my full weight and, um, you know, that it's really, a, a shared, um, you know, they were both pushing the rock up the hill. Um, so yeah, I mean, just trying to think of some stumbles that AMR has taken. We were pretty, um, conservative in things we do because we, we don't have any employees. And so that we have contractors. So we have to know that we have the woman power to carry things, you know, carry things to fruition. So maybe, you know, if we were one of those two dudes I talked to, we would have tried bigger things and failed, but I guess we were, were more cautious and be like, okay, here's the steps we're going to take to, um, you know, see this through as we'd like. Um, yeah, that was a very, that was a non-satisfying answer. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) all good. Um, no, I think the, I think the, the risk, I don't want to say risk tolerance, but risk tolerance is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, some people are out swinging and, and, you know, taking big swings and striking out nine out of 10, nine out of 10 times. And on other people, it's just brick by brick by brick by brick. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think both are effective strategies and it's whatever is going to be more sustainable for you, mm-hmm. um, in order to continue to grow. Yeah. And I, of course now I'll mull this question over on my next 10 runs and be like, Oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Um, but that, you know, for so long it was just Dimity and me. And so, and that was really taxing on, um, us on each of us, on our families, on the business. Um, and so then as we got more people, we just knew we didn't want to put ourselves under the immense burden that we had been under. And, you know, we, we've, I've enjoyed every step along the way, but it was, there were, it was a lot of pressure for a long time. And so to now we just, um, you know, we still work the same amount of hardness, but it doesn't, you know, because we have a larger team, it doesn't feel like such a heavy lift. That makes sense. Um, something that you've sort of just alluded to is, um, the impact on family and, and your own running and whatnot. How do you, how do you feel about balance? And I'll preempt that a little bit more with, um, this is one of those pillars that I talk about a lot on this podcast. And again, people are going to be like, your, the the Lindsey Krauss Mary Johnson uh, comparison. So I had Lindsey Krauss on, and she explained her take on balance as being um, like three pieces of a triangle. And at some point, you can um, it can be equilateral. And sometimes it's obtuse, and sometimes you know it, it it's it, it can be different shapes at different times. And and Mary's example was. Um, seasons. So some seasons I'm all in on running and some seasons I'm all in on family and work and this and that. 
Um, and then other people are like, balance is overrated. I just go X, Y, Z. Um, so where, where do you fall on, on that spectrum? Well, I'd like to say that I don't have any answer as poetic as Lindsay or Mary's, <laughs> which, which bombs me out as an English major. Um, but the, well, Lindsay writes for a small publication called the New York times. So she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a bit more in, in practice. I know you're, uh, yeah, you're yeah, a yeah, 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 right, right. It's a little rusty. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, that, um, I, you know, so I have, um, so my three teens, one's 18 and two of them are 15 because they're twins. And so for, yeah. So when the, uh, when the twins were young, I sometimes use work as an escape because gosh, they were just such a loud raucous handful. And so, you know, if I could turn the clock back because now I see how quickly they've grown up and I see pictures of them as little and I'm like, Oh, I just want to go back and squeeze them. So, you know, certainly in retrospect, I wish I had spent more time with my family, with my young family, but, um, I, I would say I've become better in the past couple of years, actually, since I started meditating, I, I do, um, the daily calm most mornings is, um, I really kind of just think, okay, now I'm working and now I'm turning it off and I'm turning to my family and I'm with my family. And so not checking the phone as much, um, not opening the computer. And, you know, it's, it's hard to remember uh, again, like you and I were talking before we hopped on the recording, how much I traveled for work, you know, in the before times. And I loved that. But I definitely now realize that it was somewhat to a detriment of my family. Because just the other night, my 15-year-old daughter said, um, yeah, you used to travel a lot. And I said, did you like that? And she was like, no, it's much better now that you're here all the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a little how bit. Did that, how did that hit? Yeah, that hit hard. Yeah. Um, and although it, it hit hard, but I was also pleased that she said it because – you know, a lot of, you know, she's 15. So a lot of the time I feel like I'm getting pushed away. And so to feel that she is appreciative of me being here felt good. Um, cause the only person that in my mind seems to really love having me around all the time is our French bulldog. And, and he's going to be croggy is going to be crushed when I start traveling again. Like he just, he's going to be devastated. Um, so, and, but it turns out that maybe my kids will be a little bit too. So that's nice. So, I don't know if I ever strove for balance. And certainly I have to say that as a um, recreational runner, I did not compromise on my workouts. Like that's, that's a non-negotiable for me. You know, I, I, no matter what was going on in my life or is going on in my life, I'm getting out there and getting it done because I just enjoy the heck out of it way too much to give that up. That part's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, feel guilty about that. And, um, I am in the other camp where it allows me to be better in every area of life, work, relationships, family, all that stuff. I find that to be all better because of having this consistency. Jonathan, you are a mother runner at heart because I, as you were talking, I could hear Dimity talking at all those parties that we'd have at running stores and everything who would say that, you know, 
because a big premise of AMR is to leave the, the mommy guilt behind and that I can just see Dimity, tall Dimity ticking off on those long fingers of hers saying that when, you know, you get your workout and you come back and you're a, you know, more supportive spouse, a more patient mother, a more productive employee, you know, a more responsive, you know, partner or whatever it is. Why do you think that is? Because you get your yayas out, out there. <laughs> and, um, because you just, you feel, I feel, I'll speak in the first person. I get out there and I feel that I have accomplished something. I have checked something off my to-do list. I have done something just for me. I've maybe gotten to listen to a podcast or music or an audiobook. I have been in nature, which I love. I've maybe spent time with my best running friend. So I just gain so much from being out there that I, my cup is refilled and when, whether that's patience or understanding or whatever, I have more of it to give back to the people in my life. Definitely. So as a fellow um, road warrior, you'll appreciate my analogy. Um, I like to hear the reminder from the flight attendant, please put your own mask on first before helping those around you. And I feel that that's true in every sense of the word. You can't help people, whether it's what you do for work or for family or whatever, um, if you're, if you're burnt out or if you're not enjoying yourself. So I think it's, I think it's fundamental and it's, it's an invitation to be what some might consider selfish, but I don't think it's selfish. I think it's, um, or maybe it's just a rationalization, but (laughs) I think it's, I think it's fundamentally critical to, um, have that time for yourself. Jonathan, we are cut from the same cloth. I can't, within the past 48 hours, I have thought of the put on your own oxygen mask before putting on helping those around you. Like, I just think that all the time. And I I really believe that children can be a lot more self-sufficient. I mean, yes, if the plane was going down, I would help them, but (laughs) Like when I would travel, my so I oftentimes well, the plane's going down. The mask isn't really going to help you. <laughs> and at least we're all together. I swear, this is no jokes aside. If if I'm going to die in a plane crash, I want my entire family to be with me because it would just be too. Oh, it'd be so upsetting to have some of us left behind. Um, wow, that went dark really fast. So <laughs> let's, let's go back to when I would. So I oftentimes would take would fly cross country with all three of my kids, and. So we'd get on the plane and my philosophy was like, if I'm flying by myself, I don't worry about the, the dude sitting next to me, whether he's has something to read, whether he's watching something, listening, like, I don't care whether he's entertained or not. And I feel sort of the same way about my kids. As long as they don't bother, like when they were younger, as long as they didn't bother people, that was their business, whether they're entertained on an airplane or not. And like, I guess self-sufficiency is very important to me. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't know that, that just went all over the place, didn't it? So, yeah. I mean, I just want to talk about air travel. Like (laughs) how weird is it? How weird is it that, that I know that you've had these experiences where you go the whole flight cross country. Uh So, you know, six hours and you start talking to the person next to you, like as you're landing and then you're like, (laughs) 
oh shit, this person's like really interesting. Right. <laughs> I know you've done that, right? <laughs> I have a, I started talking to a woman uh, getting off a flight. She was the row ahead of me. And I think I probably helped her get something out of the overhead bin. Oh, it turns out that she is the daughter of our neighbors around the corner. And she was, she now lives in Africa and she was just coming back to see her parents after doing like, you know, volunteer work for like three years. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the most interesting people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had, I had a flight. I was going to Boulder and the, the um, woman sitting next to me was about my age. And um, we didn't say anything to each other until we were landing. And then it turned out that, um, we had like a few mutual friends and she was a travel nurse. So she was going back and forth between New Hampshire and Colorado. And then the next time I was in Colorado, I saw her on the street. Of course you did. On Pearl street in Boulder. And I texted her. I was like, um, Lindsay, was that you? (laughs) She was like, yeah. So I, I ended up like getting margaritas with her and her friend. And then I met her friend and her friend's like, from South Africa and has these incredible stories that were told in this incredible accent. And it was like, I was like, wow, we could have had like a really interesting six hour flight and pissed off everybody around us for talking the whole time. But yeah, it's just wild. I, uh, one of my favorites was I was flying from here, Portland to Denver and it turns out that the woman next to me, she lives like a mile from me or something. And it turns out we both had the same Trader Joe's crush as in like which employee we just thought was so cute who by the way no longer works there which is upsetting but uh, so, know that. so it's like da, 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 da. i'm like oh. and i don't know why i made her i'm like oh, i just think brett is just the cutest she's like oh my gosh i love brett too <laughs> so, so not only that we both you know imaginarily lusted after the same but but that we deemed it a Trader Joe's crush, like that we had one. Because <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I think not everybody has a Trader Joe's crush. If you yeah, don't, you should I, get one. But yeah, anyway. I can't say that I do. But <laughs> I live for Trader Joe's, by the way. <laughs> I live next to a Trader Joe's, but <laughs> nice. maybe I should go, maybe you should go in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. I can, I can go on. How do you, how do you pivot from that, Jonathan? Go on, go on. It's your job. It's not mine. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, one question that I, wild curveball or a change of change of topic. Um, like I said, I I could go on forever, uh, asking these types of questions, but, um, I think the last one I've got is, um, what do you wish people knew about you? Oh, Um... wildly different than Trader Joe's crushes and, and plain, plain um, well, being a podcast host, as you know, people know a lot about, you know, when you're a podcast host, people know a lot about you. Um, so I guess I'd want people to know that I really am who I am, that, um, that the, the, the me I show up with at events and at, um, on the podcast, that's really who I am. Like that, that, that's not me being who I think I should be. Um, and, um, I think of, um, I think it was John Dryden who said we're constantly invited to be ourselves. I could be wrong about who said that. Um, but just, I really think it's important to show up and, and 
be yourself. And so like that I am kind of sarcastic. I like TMI topics. I um, am very enthusiastic about running and that makes some people kind of, you know, gag a little bit. Um, You know, I don't love all children, but I love my own children very much. (laughs) Um, I cry really easily. um, And I, I am truly a morning person. Let's circle back. Love nothing better than circling back. I am truly a morning person. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. And that I, and that I love very deeply. I, um, am not uh, an extended family holiday person and which is very, um, I don't know, highlighted almost in this, in this year of pandemic, I'm like, Oh, who cares that I can't see my family Thanksgiving, but, but that I, the people who I choose to have in my life, I love so much. And thanks to AMR, that circle has grown larger. Like for instance, I, we haven't gotten many Christmas cards this year and I'm not taking personally, but the majority of the Christmas cards we've gotten this year or holiday cards have been from mother runners who, yes, I've met most of them in, in real life, but some of them I haven't. And I just love getting those cards. Like that makes me smile so much. That's yeah. awesome. I love, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, we'll have to have a, a, a Patreon version of a sarcastic TMI podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> $3 for, uh, <laughs> I mean, that is TMI is one of the cornerstones of AMR. Um, when you, this is an, an addendum to your question about how AMR grew was, uh, we started doing what ended up being called TMI Tuesday, meaning that the first oh. post, TM, the first post on Tuesday mornings on our Facebook page is TMI questions that women really ask us and no topic is off limits. And, and I have to, I'm going to keep talking right now. This is, I'm going on the ranch you want me yeah, to. That, well, yeah, first yeah. of all, that someone else named it TMI Tuesday. Um, so that was awesome. I think that was Erica in New Hampshire. And that, um, that really, you know, back in the day, this was early Facebook. And so the algorithm really worked in our favor because these women would just comment. And I just would always be like, you know, people can see that you're talking about bleeding through a tampon on, you know, in a race or pooping or something like that. And it just, we got a lot of Facebook followers that way because everybody would be like, Oh, look, Claire commented on another mother runner. What's <laughs> that? And so, um, so there's that. And gosh, what was my second point about that? Oh my goodness. Oh, I know that, um, when we did the outline for run like a mother, you know, when you turn in a book proposal, you have to turn in a um, table of contents and we, the book is divided into 26 chapters with then these little point twos in between, which are kind of like palate cleansers, kind of amuse bushes of, um, just short little things. And so when Dimity had done up and when we put together the list and she had misnumbered it. And as we were about to turn in, she's like, Oh shoot, there's only 25 chapters. We need a whole other chapter. And I said, let's do one on TMI. And so it's, um, it's called, I think it's called the four P's or something. It's, um, peeing, pooping periods and passing gas maybe, or no peeing, pooping periods and I, gosh, I am embarrassed to say, I think it might be passing gas, but I'm not sure about what the fourth P is. But anyway, that's what the, and I'm, and so I, we alternated writing chapters. I'm like, that's mine. I'm doing it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. The TMI, the TMI on the podcast thing is, uh, is very relatable. I've had, um, 
uh, um, dating app matches tell me they've listened to podcast episodes. <laughs> like, uh, you've learned a lot about me. In oh that my gosh. With oh. One, one of the best um, anecdotes ever shared on our podcast was by a mother runner named Bethany who lives outside of Philly. And she, um, we helped her get a um, entry from a brand to run Boston. And so she chronicled her training on our website and so she came on the podcast afterward and wrote a blog post about running Boston. And she, on the podcast, she's told us that at a, in a porta potty at um, Athletes Village, she birthed her tampon. Uh, <laughs> and I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> let's just say that it it just got too heavy for its own good. Just emerge anyway, so that thankfully she was in the porta potty when it happened. So that, and now you're like, boy, if that ever happens to someone I'm dating, I'm out of there. And, uh, um, I don't know, but I may have to put an explicit on this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I mean, whenever we do a best of show and we ask people for their favorite anecdotes, and that was like episode, I don't know, like 89 or something. And they'll always be like, the Bethany birthing her tampon. I'm like, I can't include that one again. It was in episode 100. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some things that happen in that athlete's village that um, should never be spoken about. <laughs> That's a dirty, dirty place. I am still friends with people who I befriended in athlete's village because they let me borrow their body glide. And I mean, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's pretty nice. Um, um so we, so in tw- I ran in 2015 and I ran with like a bunch of, um, a bunch of friends. There were, I don't know, 10 of us that took the bus together and between everybody, we used a very large jug of, uh, lube, body, body glide or, um, um, uh, I forget what, what it actually was, but it was like a, a tub of this gel and I forget what we called the bus. Uh, but the motto was, if you like it, lube it. And I think we should wrap there. <laughs> I want to make a song. <laughs> if you like it, lube it. If I like it, I lube it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so I don't have outro music, but today that's going to be the outro music. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, for coming on and taking some time to chat. I obviously enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. <laughs> of course. I like it. I have to lube it. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs>